Welcome to the Wellness and High Performance Podcast with your host, Coach Peter. Wellness is the foundation that unlocks your highest performance both mentally and physically and allows you to enjoy life to its fullest. In each episode, I share bite-sized health, fitness and performance lessons that are going to help you to live your best life. So, put on your shoes, head out of the door and start stepping into your potential. Hello friends, this is Coach Peter. Welcome to today's episode. And in today's episode, I had the pleasure to sit down with Mr. Seamus Hayes. And we had an absolutely awesome chat that's full of very, very applicable takeaways that you can take to the gym and you can apply to your own training. And these takeaways are really going to reduce the chances of you injuring yourself and really maximize the chances of getting the most out of your gym training. Seamus is a Melbourne-based myotherapist and a strength coach. And Seamus focuses primarily on guiding people to develop strength, mobility, movement quality, and to really develop resiliency to injuries. Can't wait to show you the episode. Before I get into that, I just wanted to let you know that you can now download a free seven-day body transformation guide from www. CoachPure.com slash free guide. What is this thing? Well, Teresa West and I have collaborated to make it an absolutely awesome resource for you that's going to help you to look and feel better in as little as seven days. What's included in this guide? Well, we have a seven-day meal guide, a seven-day shopping list that corresponds to that seven-day meal guide, there are 10 absolutely delicious, easy, and nutritious recipes made by Teresa that also correspond to the meal guide and that shopping list. And finally, there's a seven-day training program with all the sets, reps, all the parameters that you need to know are included in there. And also, each exercise has a link to a thorough video demonstration done by myself to make sure that you're getting everything you're getting the most out of those exercises so if you want to download your free copy do it from www.coachbooter.com slash free guide i'm also going to be putting the link to that in the show notes make sure to check it out without the further ado let's get into today's episode with mr seamus hayes enjoy And we are on today. Today we have Mr. Seamus Hayes on the show. Thank you so much for joining today's show, Seamus. Absolute pleasure, mate. It's really, uh, really love what you're doing here on your podcast. You've had some fantastic guests on, so I'm happy to be hopefully one of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely you are. So the reason why I actually really, really enjoy working with you, Seamus, is that you know you not only help to guide people away from injuries but you also you know you truly you walk the talk and you know you talk the talk and you also walk the walk in terms of you know strength training and helping people to develop true resiliency and not just get away from injuries so I think that would be a really good place to start for us like could you explain the listener like you know what do you do and what are some of the most common issues that people present themselves to you with at the clinic okay so 
to start off with what I do, I'll give just a little bit of background on sort of like where I come from, because I, I really strongly agree. I mean, think of myself as trying to be a practical person um, and try and learn as much as I can practical knowledge and apply that with my clients. So like for years I was a track sprinter and I started out in that sport. And um, then about 10 or 11 years ago, I started personal training. And at that point when I was sprinting, I was picking up a whole heap of injuries. And so like just like niggles a lot of the time. And um, like, or sometimes, you know, I might tear a muscle and I wouldn't really have the answers about sort of how to fix them. Never really knew who to go to that would give me good management because oftentimes you go to someone that have one very specific skill set, or might be a physio, and they might sort of give you a couple of exercises and not really give you much management or give you much of an idea about what they're supposed So it gave me a few questions of my own to go and work out, like, you know, how to prevent injuries and how to sort of, you know, perform the best that I could. And so I, um, my track coach at the time got me on to um, a myotherapy course. He spoke to me about some of his athletes and myotherapy, and I read up about it. Uh, myotherapy is the rehabilitation of musculoskeletal pain and dysfunction. It's a relatively new field. Um, it's been around for about 20 years, and Melbourne is one of the main places in the world that has courses for it. So I signed up for that course and studied, and it was a pretty intense couple of years, very practical course. So it's not like quite to the level of physiotherapy and rehabilitation and wear many hats and can kind of specialise in musculoskeletal field. And it was very heavily dominant in manual therapy previously in the past. So it was a progression of remedial massage course so it's kind of applying principles of sort of what remedial massage has but also the exercise based rehab component there as well so within that course they started the conversation about this concept of the biopsychosocial approach and so to simplify that that, that was really just sort of looking at like all the factors that could be contributing to an injury and it was more, that was a starting point there during that, that course, giving us the principles to work off there. So when we, you know, went out into the real world, we would, you know, perform more courses, learn more, and help to offer sort of a, I don't want to use the word holistic approach to rehabbing people. But that was, uh, that was pretty much just sort of looking at all the areas that could be contributing to an injury. So, when I came out, I started working in a myotherapy clinic in um, Elite Myotherapy, and they're a great clinic and had some fantastic PD. They would have PD in every sort of fortnight, every month, and you get people from like, you know, facial fields like jaw, um, everything from that to sort of uh, butaco bleeding. Um, we'd have some professionals in specialized in tendinopathy and they'll all be in service courses they're really fantastic and they kind of inspired me to go out and learn more in many different areas myself so 
from there, as I moved on from that clinic over to South Melbourne, um, I got exposed to some different demographics and probably uh, that's where the two ends meet, met where probably we came in contact um, was through PTC South Melbourne. And so I was working a lot with track athletes and I was working a lot with powerlifters and starting to see um, some really common injuries that were within those two populations. And then, then trying to like find a, a good approach to get people back lifting and have like a, a program which they could do to keep them uninjured and focus on those areas that could be contributing. So within the clinic environment, I'll do a lot of hands-on treatment work and that would act as a bit of a window of opportunity for improving joint mobility, um, improving, you know, perception of pain. So if someone had an area that was very contracted and protected, getting in there and doing the hands-on work would give, give them some relief and then applying movement as a, what we want to call it, rehabilitation process, you know, just teaching them to sort of move those joints through range pain-free. And so that's kind of uh, where I kind of worked for a couple of years or probably a few years and I started to sort of like really become a bit more passionate in like the ongoing processing. Um, so I've seen lots of holes in people's programming. They would develop injuries and they would come back in and get injured again and again and I'd have to uh, sort of keep on thinking of ways to incorporate more exercises or more movement practice and I, I thought look you know like I might go into coaching a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with people and start to sort of apply some of the principles of what I'm doing in the clinic and, and start to develop more physical resilience and strength in, in people and I've been sort of working in that field separately and within the clinic um, since then so yeah fantastic yeah, absolutely. 100% it does. And if we were to specifically narrow it down to, you know, most of the demographic of the listeners are, you know, they're, they might have been training for a while and, you know, specifically about gym training. I know you have a lot gym of, training? you have a yep. lot of yep. experience with track athletes and gym training, yep. but when it comes just to, you know, people who are going to the gym and they, you know, develop some kind of injury or problem, like what are some of the most common things that they come and see you for? Okay, so that was the first question, and I kind of did the roundabout thing that we. <laughs> so, That's okay. Um, yeah, so really common things that I see people come in, come to me for in the gym will often be something like back pain. You know, and it could be lower back pain, and or knee pain, or hip pain, or neck pain, and shoulder pain. And so when it comes down to it, those are probably the main areas that I'll see people come to me. Um, for treatment or for management and it starts a bit of a conversation from there about sort of like you know what are all the factors that are contributing to those areas so I mean so if we get someone that's um, starting back at the gym quite often or they've just increased their load a lot and they come in they're like oh, I'm getting tension in my, my hip in front of my hip when I squat and um, or you know I've been doing I'm getting shoulder pain when I've been doing bench press and yeah, so that'll be the probably the most common areas that I'll see in terms of in the clinic for, for gym related injuries. 
and so do you want to go into sort of what we, what we look at yeah and then and then then maybe then like moving then from there the the process usually is like you said it might be some manual work to kind of you know get that initial improved range of motion back but then what i would like you to get into is a little bit more is like what about then the management process from moving from being in a state of you know fragility and having a bit of a hot spot in your shoulder or in your knees for example and then how do you go from 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 fragility towards resiliency and what what does that look like so when they when they come in a lot of time i have this conversation straight up so instead of um getting them on the table and giving them relief straight away i talk to them after a while (laughs) so i talk to them about all the potential contributing factors there but also a lot of questions about sort of their life um, what they do outside the gym much sleep they're getting, uh, whether there are outside stresses that are contributing to the injury. So if they're dealing with shoulder pain, they're like, oh, you know, my technique's bad. They, you know, they might say, oh, I've got terrible posture. And the thing that I tend to say is like, look, you know, technique's important, but a lot of the time not in the way that we think. It's it's not going to be the thing that just inherently causes pain. But a lot of a lot of the time that what we're looking at there for contributing factors to the injuries that that area in the chain's taking up a lot of the stress. Okay? So like, you know, they're performing a movement and they're getting shoulder pain. Um, that area in the chain's the first point that's telling the, the nervous system, the body, that it's had a bit too much. And so a lot of the time, the, the main factor behind most injuries that we see is too much load, too much volume, too much intensity, not enough recovery. And so the, the way that we need to manage that straight up is, is not to try and put a band-aid on it. It's to actually understand that, hey, look, um, which one of these factors are you dealing with that's causing that area to be taking on too much loading? And that, that's really where the questioning comes in. It's going to be different for every single person. But if, if you're dealing with you know shoulder pain and you've just suddenly increased your training volume in the gym, bench press by double, I mean, that's probably going to be the first place we start. But we're also going to look at what you do for a job. If you're working at a desk and you constantly have that shoulder in a forward position and it's flexed all the time and it's under load all the time, we're going to go through point by point and look at how we can reduce the loading on that area there and look at how we can promote more recovery. And then we can look at some of the mechanical issues that can make that shoulder stronger, make it more balanced, if that makes sense. And then we jump, we can jump on the table because, you know, like in the end, one of the main priorities that we want initially is not to be in pain, but it's all well and good, like being able to get on there and rub a shoulder and then just go out and do the exact same loading, the exact same patterns that they were doing previously, but they'll be back in here in a week dealing with shoulder pain again, and that's that's not my model. Like, I don't want people to be coming into the clinic and being here week by week and getting treatment and putting Band-Aids on it. It's a, it's a bullshit system that, that is out there in many rehab uh, clinics. It's a good, it's a good business great, model yeah, for a short great, term. <laughs> yeah, they have great, they tend to have great cars, to be honest. Yeah. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, not really how, how it works. Yeah, but... Um, so yeah, treatment does play 
a really big role in what what I, I do though in the clinic. And if you if you've had treatment before, you can see that it can be a powerful tool. Yeah. yeah, and it can it can help with discomfort. It can help develop a you know more of an awareness of a joint as well or an area. I mean, change the input if that makes sense. So like. I really think that some of the biggest benefits of hands-on work is the proprioception side of things and just changing some of the information that is going up the chain to the brain. That makes sense. If you're getting pain in an area, you've got the threat. Inherently, that the body's perceiving that area as a threat and um, you know, we, we give a different type of stimulus to that area. That we, we try and break some of that cycle and um, it can be a very powerful tool. 100%. And I think that yeah. a good analogy to like, in, you, know, in, you know, in a video game, like if there's like a, like an area that you've never been to, it's like black and you can't see what's in there. But then so, when, when you've been in the area, now you can see what's out there. So it's like almost like a, a therapist is like a very powerful way of like taking the blindfolds out and instantaneously, like you said, giving you that new input and showing you something else that you've never been exposed to. Completely agree with that. And like neural mapping is so important. Like this concept of neural mapping, the way that you know, we we see our, our body, you know, and like from the inside, you know, the way we perceive our body. And um, if, I mean, you yourself, we've done some training together in the past, and you've seen my coaching style. It can be a bit uh, full on at times. Obviously, I mean, I do give a lot of cues. Well, the training, a lot of people will be like, don't, don't give cues, but I, I mean, don't overdo the cues, but like what I really try and do is use imagery, you know, like, you know, like try and give you some imagery that you can work with and ways that you can develop those, those connections. So yeah, feel a movement in a different way, connect to a different muscle group, involve more of the chain. And they're kind of like the feedback loops that, I'm giving my body when I do strength training at the same time, I'm, I'm checking in and going, am I, am I holding this joint in this position? Am I connecting to this area? How can I make this movement more efficient? How can I make this movement stronger? And so it starts to sort of like help with that, that thought process when you're training on your own. Like, I mean, treating exercise as a skill, yeah? Like treating movement as a skill and being a, you know, a student of strength. So... Yeah, that's awesome. I really do love that that thought process. And really, what the All big right, take the, the the big takeaway? Am I back? Yeah, yeah, just for us for yeah, take. cool. The big takeaway that I'm hearing from here is that you know, like the really successful long term management of any kind of uh, injury injury problem is that yes, there you know a ter- therapist can be really really helpful, but then what it needs to go into is like teaching the skills and developing the skills and you know, get getting the the client themselves to do the work, and it's only through that work that the client puts in is where you're actually going to get into true resiliency. Is that Absolutely. a good way to sum it up? Absolutely, education is powerful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we've we've all probably been to a therapist before that we've had an injury and we've given an exercise and yeah, okay, I'm going to do that exercise. And if context isn't given behind why that exercise is there or why that particular plan is put in place, you stick. 
and um, I think like you trying to develop some accountability for how to you know, manage your meat sack. Yeah, literally. Is uh is really important. I mean, like I mean, giving sort of like the idea about sort of how I might manage a, an injury in the acute area is going to be very different to how I might you know manage people long term. I mean, if you if you're looking to develop true physical resiliency and you know, uh, reduce injury reduction, then sorry, <laughs> reduce injury reduction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's uh. It's really important to understand that so many factors that come into that and like actually being a student, um, learning more about the body, learning all the contributing factors to what could be causing your issues is very important because if, if you don't, then you're going to be constantly going knocking on someone's door every time you have like a, a niggle where it could be just a very simple solution exactly yeah uh, yeah and it's the it's always the big uh, picture i think you already summed it up pretty well before you were saying that it's like what what is your job you know all these things that come into play like my my favorite one is like when some of my clients have like you know they show up and they say oh my back hurts today it, it was probably like i don't know slept funny or like something something else was happening and then i start asking them like, okay so you know what have you been up to like what did you what did you do on the weekend? And they're like, well, I did, you know, 12 hours of gardening a day. And I was like, <laughs> you know, shoveling stuff all day. And now my back hurts. And it's like, yeah, because the, you know, the overall volume that you were exposing yourself to, it doesn't stop at the gym. But it's like everything that you do is all contributing to that same stress on your system. Understanding stress and stress and adaptation component there is pretty much really what it comes down to like if you understand the stresses you're putting in then you understand how the body's going to adapt to it yeah the analogy that i find a lot of people find really useful is that you can't pour water out of a bucket that is empty you know you you have to have water in the bucket to be able to pour some water out so all these things it's it's gym training, the stress of work, the stress of having kids or bills or just living a modern life, all these things, you know, maybe a lack of sleep, maybe you're eating something that's not sitting well with you. All these things are potential holes in your bucket that are pulling water away from you. And then, you know, you, you just happen to go to the gym. Your bucket was nearly empty. You just happened to go to the gym and you just, you know, ran into an injury. And it was like, oh, it must it must have been those deadlifts. But what about everything else? Like, that's where I really love that approach that you're explaining here, that it's the holistic approach where you really need to look at all these different areas to really move yourself towards long-term resiliency and moving away from, from injuries. So, Seamus, I would like to switch the gears a little bit here and really take it into the gym and make it a little bit, you know, make it really applicable to the listener. Like, what are some of the most specific things that people are doing at the gym that are increasing the risk of injuring themselves? Um, so, one of the things I see is, is load control. Um, inherently, there are no bad exercises out there, I don't think. I mean, 
I mean that like in a, in the terms of like yeah, they could be a lot more efficient. Um, thing to really understand about sort of injury reduction in a gym environment is understanding sort of like our bodies are extremely adaptable to stress. So if we and we've used this analogy, remember when you're doing kettlebell snatches, right? That's just one area of the body, the hands. You know, like remember sort of how long it took your hands to adapt to the friction and handle. It was, the skin adapts. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So many nights where I couldn't sleep because, like, literally, just the just just the <laughs> airflow was like hurting my hands so much that I would wake up. Yeah, and so like, so adaptability is one thing, but like the the main thing there is sort of like having some type of a, a load control, having some type of a volume control, is going to be the number one thing. I think that is going to reduce your, your issues and injuries. So a lot of the time, people go to the gym. They leave it all out there, you know. They, they go and they train chest, or they go and do deadlifts, and they might max out, lift as heavy as they can, um, or get pretty close to it, you know, ninety percent plus, and then go and smash a whole ton of accessory movements after that, and drag themselves home, and then you know not be able to walk very well the next day. And so, like, we have a very like maximalist mentality in gym training. Um, what I see, like. It's kind of like, yeah, what is the most amount of work that I can do and get stronger? And I, I really try and go in the other direction and go, well, what's the minimum amount that you can do and still get stronger? Yeah. Like if, you know, you're a father, um, if, you know, you're a husband, if you need to go to work eight to 10 hours a day and you go to the gym and you just completely smoke yourself, where are your reserves to recover? You know, like, what are you, how are you able to adapt to those stresses? So, like, the number one thing there is that I see is volume control, intensity control um, in people's programs. Yeah. So, like, doing too much and um, not slowly progressing. It's like the old story of, uh, is it Milo Proton? Yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're where he was uh, picking up the, uh, the calf every single day. And as a calf grew heavier, he picked it up. So it's a very slow increase in loading there, right? But in the end, we've got a ball and Milo is able to pick up this ball, right? Over the course of years. Okay, so if your goal is to become stronger, if your goal is to become more resilient, it's not adding 20 kgs to your deadlift every session or even 5 kgs to your deadlift every session. It's trying to find the smallest amount of variable there that you can to slowly make your body adapt to stress. It's the real art in strength and conditioning and programming is having a very slow ad adaptation to stress. You know, like, I mean, most of the time people get stronger than otherwise. You might be putting more weight on the bar, but are you really getting stronger a lot of the time? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that would be, like, the number one thing in the gym that I would look at with, with people. But... So, uh, I hate to use the word like, you know, uh, functional training, <laughs> it's a really bad rap, but I think one thing that we see in the gym is that people move in a very, um, in very sort of set planes of motion. You know, we're very sort of like, you know, squat, deadlifts, bench press, um, 
might chuck in a bit of core training, which is resisting rotation. And we very rarely move in, um, you know, in an asynchronous way. You know, in non-linear planes, we very rarely train rotation. Um, and so, like, if we're really trying to look at sort of reduce, reducing injury, and I, like, I don't think that training should be all about reducing injury, but <laughs> um, but if we're really getting sort of like improving physical resilience, so we need to expose our body to many different stresses, many different planes of movement, and have a lot of movement variability. Yeah. Within our training. I think variability is yeah, the is so. the variability is really the key word. And it's like the, so. like there's no bad exercise, but there's the only exercise that's bad for you is the one that you aren't prepared for. You know, or the only the only movement that's bad for you is the one that you aren't prepared for. So therefore therefore you're you know, I one hundred percent love that and agree with that, yeah. Hundred percent. And like as you probably know, I've got uh, I worked quite a bit on one of the strong first methodologies and like they've got some some great some great principles and it's a very principle-based system there it's not just a like follow this program there are some principles there to get strength training which i really agree with on a lot of levels it's like not with everything but the same but you don't want to be dogmatic about any system you need to look at many many different approaches and, and kind of like take what's good from every system and so one of the sayings strength has greater purpose um, that wasn't the one I was going to talk about, but I think for one, like psychology of training is very, very important. Being strong will help many, many different areas of your life. Yeah. So the, the feeling of being strong when you haven't been strong before can hugely impact someone's psychology, their well-being, and just the ability to know that if there's certain tasks that need to be done, you can do them. You know, like, but the thing is, like, there's another one there which I say you can be anything in life, but first you must be strong first. Now, coming back to the analogy that you made about glass before, all right? So we have a cup, and we the way that I've kind of used that one before is the overflow. So we might have, you know, coffee cup here, yeah, <laughs> so, and uh, we we want to make that cup bigger. Okay. We want to improve how much we can put into that cup. Okay, so the bigger that cup is, the more stresses we can take before we have the overflow. All right. And so when we develop strength, you know, the ability to maximally apply force, we can start to fill that cup with many different physical attributes as well. You know, strength as an attribute, like many, many things work off strength. Yeah. I mean, you've got speed. It's a it's an attribute of strength. Agility is an attribute of strength. Even uh, mobility is something that works off strength. I mean, if you don't have good joint control and like stability around the joint locally, then the body's not going to let you go into certain positions. And so, so the many, many areas, uh, they say like you know the Russians used to say you know like that is the the main thing you want to do to start off with is develop a base level of strength and then start to fill that glass full of many different other attributes. So like um, I think like the number one thing for reducing injury injury is to you know, get strong. Yeah, because as strong as necessary. And that doesn't mean going and doing powerlifting just picking the three lifts, but like I mean, I, I really like to the idea of like getting strong in 
like one of Pavel's programs was Simple and Sinister. Mm. And I think you, you did some of those moves for a while in your own training. And I did, yeah. The, the, yeah, the simplicity of those movements, um, like inch deep, mile wide type of thing, like when we're going for get up, there are many, many different planes of movement that you're covering within the get up. You know, we, we have a roll, we have a press, we have a hinge, we have a squat pattern, we have a, a lunge pattern, um, we have like the ocular sensor and motor component of looking in our eyes and steering our body. We have a row, we're coming up to the elbow. And so we have a asynchronous movement. So both sides of our body are doing different things. It's a contralateral movement. And the idea behind that movement, if you can, like some of the base levels there, you know, male working up to 32 kg get up and a female 24 kg get up. So we have so many planes of movement there. You're getting strong enough, if that makes sense. We're not talking about elite levels of strength here, but in many, many different patterns. Yeah, absolutely. And then, we have a, and then, and then the other exercise in that program, the main the exercise, obviously we've got the goblet squat, um, and then we've got the kettlebell swing. So, I mean, the kettlebell swing is, I think, sort of one of the best bank buck movements you can do if you were to really identify trying to have a minimalist program. You develop many, many different attributes with the kettlebell swing, develop your whole posterior chain, um, you develop like a very similar neurology to any athletic movements, sprinting, yeah. running, force jumping. going into the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like we have some really fantastic things that I mean, like we're taking compression out of the body as well. So I mean, depending on how heavy you go. <laughs> so like instead of having weight on the shoulders and instead of having like, you know, this, this constant vertical force from anything like a, a deadlift. We, when we swing, we have a traction force on our shoulder joints. Uh, we're, we're not constantly loading one, one force vector. So it can really distribute uh, forces throughout the chain in a really different manner. Yeah, and a, and a fan fantastic, so like, sorry to break you up, but like a fantastic conditioning, no, right. fantastic conditioning tool as well. It's like, it's really, um, you, yeah. you are getting a lot of, ticking a lot of boxes when you're doing an activity like that then the you know i do agree with the get up it's like you you do get a lot of boxes at the same time as well but it's like you know with if you take it to uh someone from my experience like it just takes so long to learn and like the amount of time you spent coaching me as well it's like it takes so long to yeah. do that thing you know properly like what do you usually because i have my I usually like to give people medicine balls and this is what I've, you know, mm -hmm. taken from Pat Davidson. It's like, just give them medicine balls, get them throwing them in different directions, you know, overhead to the ground from side to side, these rotational r throws. Mm -hmm. We're moving at a different speed than we normally do. We are moving in different planes of movement that we normally do. And that's oftentimes yeah, like, yeah. I, I find that it's a really clear, great place to start for people. And, what do you find usually, like, other than the get-up, like, how would you, you know, something like with a little bit lower entry-level activity, like what? Yeah, yeah. I, from that same same point, I, I want to have something that's very complex so I'm teaching someone um, for one of the, the reasons about sort of, like, making the brain adapt, making the, you know, like, really making someone work for a skill. Mm. 
and like we, we have lots of really positive like neural adapt adaptations that are having some movement complexity in there and uh, I think like from that perspective it because it's not time efficient a lot of people try and steer away from that because we, we want it all now yeah we want to be able to get the results very very fast and we don't necessarily want to work for them okay so I mean we do work for them but we, we want the quick we want the quick fix but like one of the really fantastic things about sort of learning something that's quite complex is you know how many neural connections that we're creating like I mean what, what's happening to the brain like we're getting like you know brain drive neurotraffic confidence <laughs> BDNF yeah. released um, like so some really positive things to sort of improving like like our understanding where our body is in space our movement efficiency so I really like that aspect we get up and so you can simplify it and do one step at a time but it doesn't all need to be going straight into the full get up yeah you know you can you can do one part of it you can just work on the elbow for a month you can work to the hand for a month you can work through different parts of the movement so um but otherwise like i mean in terms of like things that i really really think that are beneficial for most people in learning how to generate tension from the midline um like so you said you really like the, the throws so we're we're creating um you know rotational patterns focusing on you know the trunk to start people off all the time i really like just using something like a loaded carry and like i think in terms of like bank for bar like the loader carry is one of the most effective tools out there that can really teach us how to generate tension through our midline and how to really control our center of mass. We have like an external object there, say a suitcase carry that our body needs to brace against and, and balance against. And so we can get so so many benefits out of like loader carries and immense strength as well. So if you can, you know, like if you're a guy and you can work up to Dan John might say 36 kg for a suitcase carry pretty comfortably. And if you perform that and you're performing other types of, uh, you know, neurology like a swing or something explosive, and when you go and do other tasks like trying to throw a ball, you're going to have the ability to create, create those linkages there. And so it comes back to developing a baseline of strength and then feeling that that glass full of many other qualities and, you know, throwing. That's another quality that works of, of strength and like, you know, developing sort of base level strength in some of those movements. When you go and do those movements, you can be a lot more efficient at them than what you would be otherwise. Yeah. The ceiling for improvement at them is going to be a lot higher. So, yeah, I think that like loaded carry is fantastic in terms of training gait and core strength. Crawling patterns, amazing. Like I really, really like crawling patterns um, for developing um, many like attributes of gait that, that uh, contralateral movement, um, but even just from the perspective of like developmental movement, um, when in like uh, physiotherapy and then rehabilitation, you might have seen the Pilates, you know, people lying down on reformers and, and trying to activate this muscle and that muscle. Um, what I really like about crawling patterns is like these are positions that we we learn to move. You know, like when we learn to develop like our gait and we when we learn to sort of you know race our midline and link our, our rib cage on the frontal plane and we learn to squat 
and for me to learn how to use our eyes and movement. And I started on the ground. So, like, I mean, like, we can develop so many fan fantastic attributes out of just getting down on the ground and doing like a baby crawl and moving on to things like a leopard crawl. And one system that does that really well is uh, called original strength. And so, they get people down on the ground to start off with and like just things like, you know, moving the head, you know, doing some head nuts, you know, giving our, our vestibular system um, different input there and teaching us to steer our body with our eyes. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, it's a whole different conversation yeah. there. <laughs> you know, we were really going to that. Yeah, I like I like that. Like. I like that. I think a big takeaway is like, you know, like you said, strength is the it's like this language that if you learn how to speak the language of strength, then you can you know, it's like English. Like a lot of people yeah. in the world speak English. If you know English, you can go to Spain and you're going to be okay. You know, you can go to oh, you can go to most places in the world as as long as you know English. So strength is similar. As long as you know the language of strength, you're going to have a foundation to build from. Depending, no matter where you go, with all these different physical qualities. One hundred percent, and like, and some like strength, like a lot of time when people get strong, they it's like paralysis needs to place well, you know. Uh, Overanalysis leads to paralysis. That makes yeah. sense. So, like, we go to a gym. There's a million different scenes there, and we've got lots of shiny objects, and we can go and play with them all. And I actually think that people should do that every now and then. To be honest, like, just go and play. Yeah, really, really important to go and play and do as many movements as possible. You know, expose your body to many different positions and and have fun. But at the same time, when we want to get strength, sometimes limiting the options about sort of like how many different strength exercises we're training. Like if we're doing six exercises to get strong, we have to try and have the reserves to recover from all those six exercises there. Yeah. And sometimes if we minimize, it doesn't mean that we only do those two strength exercises. We might still do movements on the side to those exercises that train our movement variability, train different physical qualities, train our mobility. Um, like, you know, train out gate, like go out there and walk, run, whatever. But like when we're, you know, performing strength stuff, it's sometimes like, you know, having two exercises to get really, really strong at will make us improve at many, many different things anyway. You know, we might go back from doing kettlebell double double clean and press and, you know, we'll be able to deadlift more, you know, we'll be able to bench press more, like, the idea being that, like, we get really good at those qualities, we adapt to those movements, we have heaps of reserves to sort of train them more frequently. And we, we, we take out sort of some of the junk volume in the programs. There's all these extra accessories sometimes are things that we need to recover um, that are sort of like taking away from those reserves and we won't really improve that quickly at those exercises otherwise. So, like, um, yeah, that, that's my something that I really think a lot about with strength is like, I mean, um, trying to sort of minimize minimize things a bit and like take out the complexities and then see how bodies adapt to doing the minimal and then start to layer things on top of that 
and start to add more movements and see how we adapt. We get a lot more control over control that way as well. You know, when we start with minimal movements, like we, we get more of an understanding about how our bodies are going to adapt to those two exercises. Adapt really well there, have plenty of energy in the tank, day to day, sleeping well, energy levels are high. And a third exercise, still doing that well, but you know, start to sort of layer things in there, if that makes sense. And that's like the true, true, the other thing that works off, off strength. You know, strength being that master quality, strength being really strong doesn't necessarily mean that you have a lot of capacity, if that makes sense. You know, we see powerlifters that struggle walking upstairs. Yeah. So like they've got gotten to that over specialization of being really, really strong. But, you know, their capacity to walk up the stairs is leaving them out of breath. So the concept there of where, well, yeah, now we've developed a base level of strength. We start to improve, you know, how much work that we can do. And like that, that comes from different things like, you know, increasing the volume on the movement we're doing, um, you know, many different sort of like parameters there within, you know, working even with one or two exercises, but then also increasing the amount of exercises that we're doing, adding other activities. In there, yeah. You know? So improving the size of that glass. Yeah. And like, I think uh, so. it's really important for people to realize that getting stronger and building strength it's not just about adding load to the bar like it's that's just one way to you know quantify and see that you you are making progress if you're you know over a long period of time you're able to add load you should certainly strive to do that but just seeing the weight increasing in the bar if you're as you said earlier like you you're only trying to increase the weight on the bar and you're neglecting the way that you're doing the movement. That's like one of the, another quick, like that's literally where you started from load management. Like that's, you know, the, the first thing that's going to really run you or lead you into the path of injuries. So if I was to do a bit of a recap here, we've got so far, like, you know, what are some of the things that people are doing in the gym? We've had the, you know, it's the volume, like overloading themselves. We have lack of variability we have, you know, not focusing on strength, or maybe we should do this the other way. <laughs> what should people do to reduce their chances of injuring themselves at the gym? Make sure that you're, yeah, start okay. from there and just sum it up, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was having uh, this conversation um, with a with a physiotherapist that I, I did my strong first two certification with the other day, and. Um, one of the things is like, you know, that research is finding is that like just this concept of like having bad technique is not immediately going to mean that you're going to get an injury, okay? But it's a very, very good control, okay? Because if we are focused in on developing a very, very strong technique within our movements, and like I think, you know, technique is going to be something that you know, teaches us to use our crane really, really well. Know, like if we can learn fantastic technique, we can, which is specific to the task. If we're doing an overhead press, you know, how can we get the full body more integrated into the movement? How can we get more activation out of every single muscle group that's going to reform that movement? You know, how can we generate the density of signals from our nervous system to you know, force you know a one rep max over our head? Yeah, I mean it's really is very, very important contextually technique in the gym for strength and for efficiency in the movement for performance. 
Now, it's also important for load control, okay? So if we maintain a high level of technique most of the time in our movements, we're gonna have a good indication about sort of like when we're overloading the system. So if we're doing like um, heavy deadlifts, for example, and our back starts to round and we've, we've got to the point that, you know, we, we're having to sort of compromise our, our hinge position to perform that task, you could have a pretty good understanding that we know that person's working above 90% there, yeah? And it's not really necessary to be working above 90% most of the time to get stronger, you know? When we're working above 90% there, that's what we tend to see the weak links in the chain snap. Yeah, so that's where we tend to see a lot of the injuries happening is uh, when we're moving above that, that 90%. Yeah, and but also, you know, fatigue-wise, when we're working into those later sets and the techniques really breaking down, we get a good indication of that, you know, like, I mean, points in the chain, weak links, they're getting to the point that, you know, you might have a training-related injury. Yeah, and so having that control there and this, this understanding of, like, um, for example, in contextually when we were working um, together on some kettlebell training, I'd have been working on technical rep maxes. Yeah, understanding so of like being able to work to the point that your technique starts to break down, like you know you really have to compromise form, and that's our our testing. That's the way that we test, and I don't think that's the only way you should test. It's not the only way that we test in general, but it creates a really good control there because most of the benefits of strength. Like improving your strength happen around, I think, 62, 75%. Yeah. Like, I mean, most of the volume is done around you know, 70% on average to get developed strength. And, you know, you do, do periods of time where you do work above, you know, 80, 85%. But for general population, I mean, if you're really looking at sort of like reducing your likelihood of injury within the gym, when you understand about sort of where that, those intensities are, we're going to give you a good understanding about how much volume to do in those ranges as well. If that makes yeah. sense. So, like in terms of like technique, back to the point, technique becomes a very, very good load control there for us. Like we, we start to understand that you know if we use that as a control, we can always move in pretty sound form and get stronger, and also understand that we're not going to like necessarily put ourselves into those uh, red zones that often, yeah? But that being said, that we need to also move sometimes really, really terrible form. You know, we need to flex our spines, we need to move in different ways. It doesn't always need to be under heavy load though or under fatigue, if that makes sense. So yeah, that would be my, my other thing. Technique's really fantastic as a form of load control. Yeah. And all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like there's a difference between what can you do while having the perfect technique and then what can you do while someone holding a gun on your head? Like those two are different, but they're probably going to look a bit different as well. You know, like when someone's well, holding so. a gun on your head, just do three reps. I don't care how you lift it. <laughs> that's that's well, not the best approach so. to do. No. So like, I mean, what, what's your deadlift PB? My deadlift PB is 270, sumo. Very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're a, you're a pretty tall guy. Not a lot of people realize it then seeing you person. You're pretty tall, so like still probably more range than what most people are doing. But like, and the majority of your volume when you were training for to lift that. Yeah, it was. 270 kilos. Like, 
Yeah, how heavy were you tend to lift and train if you're just doing it? It was mostly between like 200, even from 180 to 220, 230, around there, most of the time. Yep. There you go. So it's a really big difference there. And like, but like speaking from experience of working in a commercial gym, how often do you see people working like pretty close to their one rep maxes? Very, the time? very, very often. Like, it's always literally usually the same people. You can see them like like the deadlift is a, it's a perfect example like you can just see like that you know you're you're maxing out every week like that's that's yeah. just not the not the way to do it but then again when you look at instagram and you follow all these people like i guess that's where it comes from like it's like the the need to be 100%. training yeah. for the gram and to the need to always prove yourself but they put up their feats of strength they don't necessarily put up the the process behind it and like that's what i really like about I mean, one thing i really try and do with my social media is like put the process yeah. up there you know, don't always show your testing like show when the days that you're lifting light like talk about the process understand that you know strength is a process like getting stronger is a process developing physical resilience is a process i mean i might put up me doing a one rep max like double overhead press and be like yeah, that's great and, and all but like i don't want that to be you know the party trick feats of strength like making people think that you know uh larry wills trains like that every single rep you know maybe he does i don't know but like yeah, it's uh it's really understanding you know the process and not sort of uh trying to sort of get people out of that that ideology of like lifting heavy every single session leaving it all out there hardcore training like that's that's not going to really give you training a lot of longevity. no absolutely yeah. absolutely not <laughs> Yeah. So, Seamus, this has been absolutely awesome. And I always like to end uh, the podcast with the question because it's the wellness and high performance podcast. So, you know, in that theme, I like to ask that in your life right now, what is the, you know, the biggest high impact habit that you do every day that allows you to perform at your best, uh, both mentally and physically? So, number one, I would say is prioritizing your sleep. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, in terms of like the high impact habit of the one thing that you can do, the best thing for your body is to get enough sleep. Yeah? If you're not getting enough sleep, then things are going to start to go downhill. But also having habits, having routine. Yeah. And once you, you know, you have a good sound set of habits, things start to fall into place. You can add new habits in there. So I really think that's. Yeah, out of those two things there, they're pretty high up. Awesome. Um, Thank you. So, Seamus, can you yeah, can you please tell the listener how they can find more about you? Find out more about you? Um, probably at this stage, the best way to find out more about me would be just by social media. Um, I'm just uh, at IronFix. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, I mean, I, I put up a little bit of what I do. Always have a chat about training with people. Um, that'd be the best way to contact me at the moment. Yeah, sure. Fantastic. I highly recommend everyone to yeah. check Seamus out. So it's at IronFix and on Instagram. And I'll put the link to the show notes as well. Thanks very much for having me Thank on. Thank you here. so much for coming. Really that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'll All see right. you next time. Cheers, mate. Bye. See you next time.
So there you go. That was Mr. Seamus Hayes. And hey, that was an awesome chat with a lot of really, really actionable takeaways that you can start applying from today and from tomorrow in your own training. And the reason why I really, really enjoy talking and working with Seamus is that he really practices what he preaches. And I highly recommend you to give him a follow on Instagram at ironfix because there you can really see what we're talking about and you can see how he puts up very very applicable and actionable content for you on pretty much a daily basis other than that i want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode if you have anyone in mind who you think that would also enjoy listening to today's episode would you please do me a favor and sharing the episode with them other than that make sure to head into www.coachputer.com slash free guide to download your free seven-day body transformation Kickstarter guide so that you can look and feel better in as little as seven days. Thank you so much for listening. This is Coach Putter. Let's do this.